Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Um, you know, the word, the word to swear, sure, um, comes, from the, comes from the word swear, to be, to be full, you know? To be, not to be hungry. So the thing is like this, that uh, um, what happens, let's say, if I want to do something and I know I can't do it, it's very hard. So I swear, and that gives me strength. Why does it give me strength? Because then I connect my, so- my soul to, to a higher level. And uh, the thing is that um, that's what you're telling them, a little bit. Not so much, not a little so bit. A little bit. Yeah. Anyway. The thing is that uh, there was a law, first of all, Yosef could never leave Egypt because there was a law that the king of Egypt, like the Pope is not permitted to leave Rome, you know, the whole big chef. There was a law that the king cannot leave, leave Egypt, you know. And especially Pharaoh, I don't know if you remember, kids, that what happened to the, to the famine when Yaakov came down? Remember what happened? The famine stopped, you know. You see, Yosef was only on the level that he could, he could sustain you in a famine. But Yosef was not on the level that he could stop a famine. The very moment Yaakov came down to Egypt, the Nile flooded over again, you know? Because Yaakov, uh, Yaakov is like, uh, wherever Yaakov is, his mom is the holy land. You know, there cannot be a famine, you know? There just can't be, you know? Stops being Egypt. So the thing is, the, the Egyptians like wanted to make Yankov like uh, a little little idler, you know, after he How passes did they away. How that's why it was? Because the they moment, they're not stupid. The moment Yankov <laughs> set foot on, on Egypt, that, that very second, the Nile flooded over, you know? But I don't understand. I mean, Yankov is... Yeah, you see, it's very... St- you see, it's like this. The famine was because the grain came from Egypt, you know? I, I really... And, and the truth is, I'll tell you what it is. The truth is, as in the house of Yankov was no famine, you know? It's only that he says, Lombard is all. I don't want our neighbors to think that we have all food and they have nothing. That was the whole thing. Yaakov says, you should Lombard is all. Because the moment the neighbors will see that we Jews have food, they don't, you know, it'll be like, a, it'll be a war. But the moment Yaakov came down to Egypt, was no more famine, you know. Because the truth is, why was the whole famine on the deeper level? Why, why, why did make out the whole famine? In order to bring Yaakov down to Egypt, right? Because this was the beginning of exile, so God made the famine, Yosef becomes the king, a whole chef in order to bring Yaakov and his children down to Egypt. The moment they're coming, that's it, you know, what do you need the famine? Was, See? Wasn't the famine only for two years? For seven years, yeah. well, only for two years. So five, uh, there was supposed to be five more years and it was not yeah. five more years, Jacob. because Jacob came what down. Yeah. After yeah. But the most important part I want to tell you is that the Egyptians would have made him into an idol, you know, because they thought it must be if the Nile is the biggest god in the world and he doesn't work and Yaakov comes down and he makes our god work, you know. That means he's more than he's a super god, right? How come it didn't just think it was coincidence? What? How come they didn't what? I just think it was coincidence. I can't figure out, you know, like. Coincidence. People come and go across. They were not stupid. Now, that's, you see, I tell you what, let's say, 
let's put it this way, you know, during the Six-Day War, everybody knew it's God, right? About two or three years later, they start thinking, maybe, you know, it was not so much God, right? So the moment when Jacob walked over the border and the, and the Nile went over, all Egypt knew it's Jacob. It's not there, just Christ. Shmendek walked over. They knew it's Jacob, right? They knew it's him. And Jacob was afraid to make him into an idol, you know? That's one thing, and, and, and millions more, millions of more reasons. But anyway, Rashi says, did you, did you read the Rashi Loma Pasha Dos Tumul? That's very strong. Did you learn the Rashi? Uh, which one? First. Oh, the first Rashi. You know, always between every portion in the Torah, there are always a few little space. Between Vayigish Vayichi, there's no space. Because when Yaakov died, suddenly there was no space left. And I want to tell you something very deep. This is very deep. Why is there always a space between one portion and the other? It is because in order for people to think, you know? So you end one portion, you think a little bit, you know? Then you learn something new, right? But when it comes to the portion which is the beginning of the exile, there's nothing to think about, you know? Because beyond, uh, beyond everybody's conception, there's nothing to think about, you know. There's nothing to feel about, nothing to, to, to think about. Because you don't understand it, you don't know what it is. Or in even deeper words, exile means that I stop thinking and I stop feeling. This is exile. Not to be an exile, everything I'm learning, you know, I'm digesting it, you know. Now I learn this, now I learn this. And if I'm exile learning, I'm reading the portion, right? But it's still exile learning because I don't think and I don't feel. You know, because, let's say, for instance, if I would eat food and still be hungry, that means uh, it's real exile eating, right? Because eating doesn't help. So since this is the beginning when Yaakov came down to Egypt, so there's no nothing to feel, nothing to think. Well, let's learn a little bit here from you here. Best for Samus are here. It's very, very strong. You know, last week, uh, I don't know how much more you, you, you were into last week. Last week was just the greatest thing in the whole world, right? Last week was much like, like the great day to come. Like the great day to come. Because suddenly, all the 12 children of Yaakov are one. They were never mamish like one, mamish like one. You know? Did I tell you, when, when did... When did the whole thing come about that the children of Yaakov weren't one anymore? Whose vibrations were that? Remember I told you? The thing is like this. Asaph, you know, when Asaph came, as much as he didn't make war, but just the very fact of meeting Asaph left such... Something happened to the children of, of Yaakov, you know? Suddenly, one says, this is my mother, and the other one says, this is my mother. You're this, you're that. Suddenly lost his oneness. It says like this, you know, when Yaakov, when Yaakov had to meet Esau, it says, for Yaakov, it's, it's almost like Manu Lishnei Machnas. Yaakov Avinu began to, he divided the, his family into two camps, you know. So the Zohar Kodesh says, Yaakov Avinu divides his people into two camps. This is already Esau's hand in it, you know. It means as much, as much as, as, there was no war, and Yaakov won the war, 
but something Esav did something to Yaakov that he divided his people into two, into two camps. And uh, if you remember, remember it reads in, in the Torah like this. First, we're reading the story of Esav, Elia Lufa Esav, right? And right away comes for Yeshiv Yaakov the story that Yosef was sold. What's what's the, what's the connection? The connection is that if Yaakov or Venus' children can stop being one, begin hating each other, it's because Elia Lufa Esav, because of Esav, something he left on them. He left something on them. So from the day on they met Aesop, they weren't really one anymore. And suddenly last week, suddenly last week, they became one again, you know. It was so much oneness, like Mamash the great day to come, you know, like Mamash like Mashiach is coming. So what happens when Mashiach is coming? Listen to this, it's very beautiful. When Mashiach is coming, it says, then the one who plows the field for success. The Nigesh Chayrash Bekoitze. That's a post I don't know why. It's a Torah test. Oh, in Yechesko. In Ezekiel. It's a, it's a, it's a prophecy that, that the, the one who plows the field and the one who... What means Ketzira? The one who cuts the... Uh, reaps the harvest, they will get together. So who's who's the one who's plowing the field and who's the one who's so Zorkurish says like so he says like this. Zorkurish says that the one who's plowing the field is Yehuda and the one who's harvesting is 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 Yosef. So he says like this. What is the difference between plowing the field and, and, and harvesting, you say? Harvesting? He says like this. When you plow the field you don't see anything, right? In fact it's a lot of dirt, right? mud, you know, you just plow the field. If someone comes and sees you plowing the field, he says, well, you're doing nothing, right? Didn't do anything. The one who's harvesting, you see something, you know, mama, she goes up to the field, takes off an apple, an orange. But he says the truth is, why, why is the harvest so good? Because, because the one, when he plowed the field, he was crying so much over the field, that later on the harvest is grown. It's really the prayer of the one who's plowing the field. Especially you have to realize that when he plows the field, he doesn't see anything, you know? Mama should work so hard and nothing. And maybe half a year from now, something will grow, you know? So you see, he says like this, Yehuda, when he took, uh, you know, Yehuda took the guarantee for his brother, for Binyomen, right? Remember? Yaakov said he didn't want Binyomen to go down, so Yehuda says, <coughs> I take the guarantee that I'm bringing him back. And if you remember, kids, Yehuda says, if I'm not bringing him back, I should lose my share in the coming world. Remember that? And if you kids know? He says, I'll lose my share in the coming world. Mamish, you know. This is Mamish plowing the field, right? You don't see anything, you don't know anything. You know? So suddenly the two got together, you know. Yosef at Tzadik, you see, Yosef is so holy, you always see the holiness on him. He is much like harvesting the field, you know. Yosef is always straight. Yosef never did anything wrong in his whole life. Yosef does everything 100% right. He's always holy from the first moment to the very last moment. Yehuda is doing everything wrong. Everything wrong. First of all, he's the one who told his brothers to sell, Yehud to sell Yosef, right? 
because they wanted to kill him, so Yehuda says, let's sell him as a slave. Right? He did wrong. Then the whole story, then he f first he has two children and they die. Then he gets mixed up with his daughter-in-law, Toma. Everything goes wrong. Then he takes guarantee for Binyomin, right? And, and Binyomin is caught, right? Everything he did in his whole life is always wrong, right? He always meant well, right? He meant top, right? But he never see anything good coming out of it. But then suddenly at the end, in this portion, suddenly the, the harvest and the plowing got together, you know? Suddenly, out of all this, the greatest thing came out. Because suddenly at the end, we realized everything was 100% good. He had to sell his brother because Yosef had to be in Mitzrayim. And he had to get mixed up with Toma because Toma was the grandmother of Mashiach. There is no other way for Mashiach to come, right? And he had to take guarantee for Ben Yoman because otherwise the whole thing wouldn't have happened. Yosef would have never told them that he's their brother. He could have kept on going like this for 10, 400 more years, right? Everything was 100% right. So this Shabbos is, is almost like Mashiach is coming. So he says, Yosef Atzadik is Midas Yosoit, you know, the foundation. Yosoit means, it's called Siyum de Gufe, it means it's the end, you know. Yosef is always like the end, it's always good, right, the end is always good. Yosef is the holiness of the end, you know, and Yehuda is the holiness of the beginning. It's very deep, you know. So therefore he says something very beautiful, and Shabbos we say, Azerla Shoshim Basri it's the end in the beginning. Yeah, half the people who who keep Shabbos, the, the ones who plow the field, the ones who harvest the field. It says, half the Yidalech who begin with Shabbos, you know. For some people, Shabbos is like plowing the field, you know, it's only the beginning. And for some people, it's almost the end, you know. So we say on Shabbos, Rabban Shem It's really holy, you know. You see, because Yehuda was so holy that he mamish trusted God the whole time, you know. He mamish trusted God the whole time everything would go right, you know. As much that everything was completely bad, you know. You see, therefore, you see, it's like this. Like, uh, there's Mashiach ben Yosef and Mashiach ben Yehuda. Mashiach ben David, you know. First comes the Mashiach, the son of Yosef. And then the Mashiach, because, you see, but first someone has to come to the world and show them what's really good, you know. The world doesn't know anymore what's good is. So first comes Mashiach ben Yosef, who's, who never sinned in his life, and he teaches the world what it is to be good, you know. You've got to show the world at least one human being, this is how, the, how we should be, right? That's Yosef. And then comes Mashiach ben Yehuda, and he teaches the world that even all the people who just plowed the field never saw anything good, everything was also good. You know? That means all the people who worked so hard never in their life, and everything went wrong. So they think we didn't do anything. So he shows them later on that if Yosef, all the harvesting of the field was only because of those little Yehudalas who did everything wrong. You see, it's like this. Did, did we ever learn about those two Mashiachs? No, not so much. Yeah, sure. Does anybody here of you kids know what, what, what was the whole thing? First, when, Yaak, when Yosef said to his brothers, all stay here to remain slaves, they didn't say anything. Yehuda didn't get up and he said, I got to bring Binyomin back. And then suddenly, when, when and Yosef says, only Binyomin should stay, but he, you can all go, you know, <coughs> then he got wild. He says, no, I won't let you. This is just good to remember, you know. 
the brothers knew that they that finally the prophecy will become true that they have to become slaves in a foreign country. That much they knew never. They didn't know when it starts. You know. So first, when 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 they thought everybody has to be slaves, they thought, what can we do? This is the beginning of the prophecy, right? But when suddenly Yosef said only Binyomin, then they knew this can't be the prophecy because why just Binyomin, you know? Why not all of us? So that means there's something wrong there, you know? You know? So when Yudas says, I won't let you, you know? And the other answer is also very strong. When, if, if all of them would have stayed slaves, then they thought maybe it's to make up for the selling of Yosef. Although when Yomin did, wasn't there, but the moment he's one with us, all of us have to go. But then, if suddenly only been Yomin, and he definitely didn't sell his brother. So you mean, it's not for the selling of Yosef. Just because of been Yomin, I wouldn't let you, you know. And now listen to Zerkur, he says even deeper, something even deeper. This one is unbelievable. This one is very holy. Judah says suddenly, you know, all the time Judah was always telling his brothers, then Yosef asked for them, you know, where is, uh, wh who, how many are you? They would always answer this one brother, we don't know where he is, you know, and one brother is a little brother. Suddenly here when Yehuda is telling the story to Yosef, retelling the story, he says one brother died, you know, you know. So all the Mephoshim talk about it. Why did he suddenly say now that Yosef died, you know? So the answer is like this, it's very, very strong. Why, what is the story? Why was, why was we, why did, remember I told you the whole time, what, what is the whole story of the brothers selling Yosef? The truth of the story is that Yosef was Mamre's the holiest of all, right? Yosef was Mamre's the holiest of all. <coughs> and Yosef was praying that he, if, if the slavery has to, they knew, they, they all knew we have to be slaves in a foreign country. So Yosef was praying, let the slavery begin with me, you know. Let, let me be make up, let me make up for all the brothers, you know. Because it's unbelievable, the holiness of the brothers of Yosef selling their own brother and the, the whole hatred is unbelievable. Remember I told you that uh, after, you know, one split second after they sold Yosef, you know, like, they couldn't understand what was going on. Why, why, why would we do such a stupid thing? You know? So Mamish, they asked God, did, did, you, did you do the whole thing? You know, did you do that? So they heard an answer from heaven, and it says, Me many yotsudavon kushim. You know? God answered back, uh, For me, I did all those hidden things, you know? Mamish, God answered them, I did it. It not, was not your doing, you know? He had no part in it. He was just like puppets in my hands, you know? It has nothing to do with you, you know. It wasn't you. But now listen to this. The thing is, you know, the thing is like this. That suddenly they realized, you know, after the whole thing, after they realized that, after, suddenly it occurred to them, they understood that Yosef is so holy, he is the top holy man, and he is the one who is a slave for all of us, right? And does anybody of you know who was like, instead of Yosef, when Yosef left, who was taking over the holiness of Yosef, you know? Ben Yomen, you know? Because the children of Rochel are super holy, you know? 
You see, the children of Leia, like Yehuda, their, their strength is their super criers, you know? They, they're super davening, they're the strongest. Yehuda is the biggest davener. Like David Amelach may tell him, right? He's the top daven man, you know? He, mama, she cries like from one corner of the world to the other, you know? Yosef Hatzadik's strength is Mamish's holiness. So when Yosef left, Ben Yomin took over. Now listen to this, very beautiful. So the very moment suddenly Ben Yomin becomes a slave, that means suddenly they realize Yosef died because someone has to be a slave in order to fulfill the prophecy. So if suddenly Ben Yomin becomes a slave now, that means Yosef must have died somewhere this minute and Ben Yomin is taking over. So the moment Yosef said, Midyomen has to be a slave, they realized, Gewalt, <laughs> not only Midyomen has to be a slave, that means somewhere, somewhere Yosef died, you know? So he says, V'ochif meis. Okay, way out. Do, do you know, kids, that for, 20 to, uh, that for the 17 years, Yosef never visited his father? Do you know that? He came only when everybody was there. Can you imagine that Yosef and Yaakov wanted so much to talk to each other? And especially Yosef, was, he was learning with them the whole time, private, remember? Rashi says, what does it mean Yaakov loved Yosef more? That means he taught him extra things, right? He was learning with them extra. So Yosef, the whole time, he never went to visit his father alone because he was afraid that his father asked him, how did he really come to Egypt? Tell me the story. And do you know, it's really way out, I don't know if you know, what happened when the brothers sold Yosef as a slave? Do you know what they did? you know how holy they were on what level? They made a vow, and so to speak, they took God into the vow. They, they mamash made a vow on the whole of, of creation that nobody has permitted to tell anybody that they sold him. No? You know that? But, I mean, not to nobody. They made a vow, and they included God in the vow. That means, I make you swear, that nobody submitted to tell Yaakov that they did it. Yeah. So, so to speak, God was silent. He didn't say anything, right? So he agreed, right? So God promised, so to speak, not to tell. Yosef was there. He didn't tell. Nobody told him. So yeah, Yosef knew one thing, you know, I cannot lie to my father, you know. When he asked me, I have to tell him. So the only way of not, of not, uh, of getting away from it, so I never spoke to him. What was the whole thing about, this is very, very strong. You know, when you do something wrong, then how do you make up? With that very, very thing you did wrong, you have to do right, you know. Imagine if I'm the biggest miser in the world, how do I make up? I give away all my money, right? But that very thing which makes me sin, because, you know, like Abnachman says, if you believe that, that you can destroy, why don't you believe that you can rebuild, you know? If money can make me sin, then money can make me do good, right? Anything in the world, you know, if an apple can make me sin, then an apple can make me repent, you know? Anyway, how did the whole thing come about? What did Joseph do wrong, a little bit wrong? Because he told bad things to his fa to his brothers, to his father, you know. But the real truth is, he didn't mean God forbid to say bad things because he just thought they're not right, and they won't listen to me to correct them, you know. So you got to tell Yaakov he should correct them. But anyway, he was wrong, right? 
but that means he was he was he was he was not careful with his words. He was not so careful with his words. So in order to do tshuva, what do you do? You are extra careful with your words, right? About his brothers, right? Meaning to say, the last time he did wrong by telling his father things they didn't do. So was the, what was the tshuva? Not to do, not to tell things they really did do, you know? So the tshuva Yosef did for telling bad things to his father about his brothers was by not telling his father that they really did it, you know? So anyway, so therefore here in this portion, it says, if you look here, it says, you know, in, in, in passage 29, it says, you know? So the message says, suddenly, you know, Yosef was about, Yaakov was dying, so he said to Yosef, for whatever reason you haven't visited me for 17 years, but right now you gotta come because I'm dying. I gotta talk to you. Does anybody know this thing is what what happened when Yaakov said to Yosef, "Please get me, bury me in in the Moros Machpelah." You know, how do you come Moros Machpelah in the what? In the cave, yeah. So so what what did Yosef tell him? So Yosef asked him. Why didn't you bury my mother there? You know? You're asking me, a son of Rocha, that I should get you back from Egypt to the Mars Machpela. You know? Why didn't you bury my mother there? So Yaakov Obino, you have to realize one thing, you know. Again, the last few days of Yaakov, you know, we have no idea. I wish we'd have more maybe we still have we still have time a little bit tonight. Anyway, Listen to this, kids. It's just good to remember. We have to go into a bit deeper later on. That this portion of the week is mamish like Jacob before he is dying. He is mamish like you know. You know that there's a Kotzka saying very strong. Kotzka always said like this: When a person comes to me, you know, first I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta clean him a little bit, you know, clean him a little bit. Then I polish him, you know. Then I, I, I make him stand straight. You know? And then I can talk to him, you know. You know what it means to stand straight? To, to have your place, stand straight wherever you are. So Yaakov Ovinu, Mamish, before he passed away, he was Mamish putting the 12 tribes in, and until the last generation, all the Yidalak, whatever will happen, Mamish, till the very last day, he put every Yidal in his place. Because, you know, if Yaakovino was a prophet all his life, the last few days, can you imagine, like, he, Mamish, he saw everything which led to Mashiach's coming, you know. And he saw what every little Yidala has to go through, you know, to Mashiach's coming. And in Mamish, like, Yaakovino was Mamish, like, let's say, if, if I'm, I or you are sitting here and someone tells us we did wrong, we krechts a little bit. Yaakovino knew of, of this krechts, you know. He was mamish like putting this kracht in the right place. So this Shabbos is like gewalt, you know. Last portion is like this. Last portion we we are learning about like the great day to come, like the oneness between Israel, which will be like the great day to come. Sadly, mamish twelve brothers are one, and this portion is like one day before Mashiach is coming. You know, like Yaakovino puts everybody in his place. 
very, very strong, very, very strong. Oh, this is what I want to tell you, the greatest thing he says. Unbelievable. How does a Jew begin, you know? The beginning of a Jew is, of a tzaddik, is Anoich Hashem First is God, right? One. And then is the world. Base. Bereish right? How does the Batshuva begin? A Batshuva begins, it's really just it's unbelievable. A Batshuva begins with Bereish, right? It begins with the world. Right? And you realize the world, you can drown in the world without the Anoich Hashem so, a tzaddik is Av, you know, Aleph Beis, you know, first the Nerashem Lekecho, and then Bereshis Bo, and the Batshuva is Boy, you know, Bo, you go, you know, Beis Aleph, it goes back, you know. Mm-hmm. It's very holy, it's tremendous, you know. Things just unbelievably deep, you know. The Batshuva begins with the world, you know, so you tasted the world first, right? A tzaddik is first, you know, there's one God, and he tastes only the world in accordance with the Neuch Hashem Lekech, right? A Batshuva tastes, tastes Bereshis Bolekim without the Neuch Hashem Lekech. And he realizes that the world without an Aleph, you know, bad scene, right? You, you drown. And he goes back to the Aleph, you know. It's Mamish Gewalt. You know, this is all from Rabbeinu Ege, you know, Remember I told you about Rabbi Lebel Ege? The best Yaakovs? Mesh was the biggest Talmud. What, what happened when, when Yehuda stood before Yosef and he says, you know, he wasn't standing before Yosef because the Mamish was standing before God, right? And he saw this, the end of the world, right? He saw that he lost his share in the coming world. Because if Binyomen is staying, and he cannot go back to Yaakov because how can he go back to Yaakov and tell him I, I didn't bring Midyomen with me? So, you know, it's like uh, he might as well commit suicide. He has nothing to do in this world anymore, right? He has absolutely nothing to do in this world anymore. So he was, and he realized my whole life, everything I did was wrong. You know? Everything I did from the beginning till the very last was everything wrong, you know. Everything was wrong. So what did he decide? You know, at the end it says, Eich ele el obi, how can I go back to my father, you know? So to Yosef, the official meaning means, how can I go back to, to my father Jacob? But the real meaning of it was, how can, how can I ever face God? What can I tell God, you know? I did everything wrong my whole life. Isn't that like what So that's what it is, what I'm coming to. That's the whole thing. So when, when did Yehuda reach the level when did Yehuda reach the level of, of Mashiach, you know? When, when did he reach the level like Mashiach level, because Mashiach is the son? When did he reach the level? He reached, that was the moment when he reached the level of Mashiach. Before he was also holy, great king, but he was not on the level of Mashiach. When did he reach the level of Mashiach, when he realized how much everything I did was wrong, you know? Everything till this very moment, everything wrong. There was Mamish crying to God, oh, oh, what did you put me in this world for, you know? Everything is wrong. Yeah. And with this big uh, gewalt, you know, Mamish changed the whole history of the world. Suddenly, Yosef, suddenly everything was right, you know. Suddenly, God opened, 
opened the gates and showed them that everything was right. Not only it wasn't wrong, everything was 100% right. So this is tshuva, you know. You have to realize, I want you to listen to something very, very deep. The truth is that it says we scroll always Yosef, that Yosef was always the favorite of Yaakov, right? Suddenly, in the Brochus, we might learn, if we have time to learn later, in the Brochus, this Shabbos, suddenly Yaakov says that the kingdom is Yehuda, right? Why did suddenly Yaakov? Because at that very moment, Yehuda was crying. Imamish reached the highest height anybody can ever reach, higher than Yosef. Yosef is all his super holiness who never did wrong, you know? Until that very moment, Yosef was really the king of the brothers, right? Until that very moment, Yosef was a super holy. He was the king. At that very moment, when Yehuda was standing before him, and he realized everything that he ever did was wrong, and he got to do tshuva, at that very moment, he reached the level of Mashiach, you know? Suddenly, from that moment on, he became the king, you know? So later on, it says, that Yehuda Sholach Lachon of suddenly, Yaakov realized that the real, real, the real, real deepest depths, the saver of the world, the sustainer of the world is maybe Yosef, but the saver of the world is Yehuda. And he reached that level at that moment. So he says like this, Aleph, Aleph is what's coming down from heaven, you know, God is giving, and base is the word is receiving, right? Right? So he says like this, you know, if my holiness is received from heaven, it's very holy, but it's not that holy. But if I start up with space, I start up with my own life, and then I make myself a vessel into receiving. You know? This, this is a much deeper kind of a vessel. Don't understand myself. I'll read it to you. It says like this. Aleph is the hashpoor. How do you say Ashpoor? No, the, the flow which is coming down from, from above. Base is the receiver. If you start from above, first flows like there's one God and it's flowing down, and then base, the world is receiving it. But Yehuda started from the other way around, you know. Yehuda realized that my whole life was wasted. You know what that means? That he that he made the most unvessel-like vessel into a vessel, right? What happens if I, if my whole life was wasted, right? It means I destroyed all the vessels, right? So he made all the destroyed vessels a vessel to the greatest holiness in the world. That's unbelievable, you know. If it's olive base and the olive comes from heaven, a base is a base, right? But if I go base olive. I start with my life. What do I do? My life is completely destroyed, right? The base is destroyed. The world is destroyed, you know? There's no world. What I do, and I want to get the olive into the, from the base to the olive. So what I do? You know, I mamish, take all the broken vessels and I make them into a vessel for God, right? I take my whole life, which is completely broken, destroyed, and I turn it back to God. Make myself clear, not so much. Tell me the truth. Yeah, you got it? Okay, did I make it? anybody wants to tell me fastback what we learned, so then let me make a little Kiddush Levonale. Anything which is, uh, you know, officially nobody knows about it.
people know about it, there's not so much blessing in it anymore, you know? Like, for instance, if... Um, well, then how can people say Amen? No, no. Let, let's put it this way. The Gmose, I tell you, in, in what respect the Gmose says it. Let's say, for instance, if I, the Gmose says like this, if I bring the harvest back to my to my house and I count every little grain, and then I says, please, God, that's a blessing beyond the grain, you know? You know, you count it already. You have 2,000 pieces of grain, forget it. If I don't count it, you know, I said, just God, let's let the blessing be in it. Be more, you know? You know, the truth is, all the big seed, you never counted money, you know? Why should I count money, you know? God will give me what I have, you know? Don't count it, you know? But the thing is that it has to be always hidden, you know? Because the moment, the moment I, means it's still infinite, right, if it's hidden. The moment I count it, I make it finite with my own hands. So how can it be, how can it reach the blessing of the infinite if I make it finite? I want to, you want to be finite, okay. You know, what can you do, you know? So, so he says that the greatest infinite that Yosef was really the roots of all blessings of the world, right? Because he was sustaining the whole world, right? It's unbelievable. He was sustaining the whole world in an infinite way. So therefore, in order to reach that level, Yosef had to be hidden from the whole world, right? Nobody knew who he is, right? He was, first he was a slave, then he was a king, and he was hid even, and even while he was with his brothers, they didn't know how holy he is, right? Mamish, nobody in the world knew who Yosef is. It's very strong. Think Very strong, yeah. Why, why did you think of it? Because he's, he's totally hidden. You mean right now he's hidden? You don't see him. Yeah. Because mm. he really isn't here, you know. That's maybe something to it, yeah. You see, Eli, you know, he's, also, he's on the level of Yosef because he's almost completely holy. He never did anything wrong, you know. That's the holiness of Eli Yonobi, you know. He reminds you of this Mamish holiness, indestructible holiness. Since this Shabbat is the last portion of the story of the creation, that means it's Mamish's story of the end of the world, right? Because Bereish is the beginning of the world, right? And Vayichi is the story of the end of the world, right? for Mashiach's coming. Very strange, you know, nobody spoke to his children what will happen to Mashiach's coming, you know, until the end of the world. Avraham Avinu, I mean, at least it doesn't say so, you know. Or Yitzhak blessed Yaakov, he just blessed him. Yaakov blessed his children, he was talking already what will happen till the end of all days, you know. This and this portion. Kitlas bim kadosh because everybody's like falling asleep. Never. You really should, I, I really think everybody should get into the habit, I hate to tell you, what to do, but to, to sleep in the afternoon is really the greatest thing. Well, anyway, what he says is that the, the Holy Temple, only the outside is destroyed. And the light is not just, we are still kindling the light because the light was never destroyed. Is that obvious from here? Yeah? More or less? That's what the set last paragraph So everybody understands it. So Hanukkah comes in such a deep place where, where which was never destroyed. Yeah, maybe it's obvious from here. But anyway, you see, Hanukkah is only at night because Hanukkah is that one thing which that the night cannot destroy. You know, because Hanukkah is this one deep, deep inside thing which cannot be destroyed. So therefore, it's only at night, and it's like a little bit of the Holy Temple. And that will carry us to Mashiach's coming, because what will bring us back to Mashiach's coming, that part of us which was uh, not destroyed. Yeah. 
keys. Keys for this. Okay, let's let's make the digital one fast, okay? Another thing is before we start making the ball for process is not actually one aspect. If to stand straight, Mamash puts it so real straight because otherwise you don't know where the moon is. You don't know where you are. I brought to the night. I share with my more bush rocking. Pif <laughs> Then you have to just jump three times. Shame shall have a good day. Then
gives us a taste of the great light which will be shining so therefore it says when we see the new the new moon we already like we can already see the great great light jumping over over the hills and over the valleys and coming closer and closer then it says tone the way Rabbi Shmuel Rabbi Shmuel was learning in Mole Eloi Zohu Bnei Israel Ele Hak Bild Nevim Shmashmaim Parachas Machoidish Rabbi Shmuel says, if only once a month we would have been privileged to pray, we 
would also be the greatest privilege. Oh, my bye, therefore bye, says when you greet the new moon. Here comes all the man, oh my, oh my, you have to be straight, you have to be standing, you have to find your place. She'll have mala, say, say, no, 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 This is really like, uh, this is like from all the Psalms and Philom, this is like really like after Mashiach has come already, when all the nations of the world will come and, and, and praise God. And the truth is, you know, the Mojah Sarebbe every year, before Yom Kippur, he made a new melody to this nigga because he said every year, you know, the way the, the walls will come back will be on a different, not the same thing from last year, you know. So every year before Yom Kippur, or the latest was the most teure, made a new nigga for this Lamed uh, Seven. Yeah, the Das was the Kecha. The whole world should know your way, because all the nations should know that you care. Yiducham name, Yiducham in Kulam, Yisbiranel, See, the only thing which keeps us from receiving new lights because our pockets are so full, we have no pockets for the new light. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
nice, good hours, good thoughts and friends, good books, good walks, good ways, good street corners, cake, good good signage, good shopping. You see what it is? This month's strange, you know, you know that we here at Mamish, we literally, we cannot live without holidays, you know? <laughs> yeah, like Chodesh Tavis, we live from Hanukkah, right? And Chodesh Shvat, we're already so down, downhearted that Chodesh Shvat in the middle, we gotta have a little Chomish Osobe Shvat, you know, we gotta have a little bit something. And then comes Poor, the greatest, you know? Strange, you know, every, 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 every month we have something, you know? Do you know what's the story? I don't know if you know. Yaakov and Esau said to each other, okay, we'll divide the year. You know that? You know that? I don't think I told you. So, okay, so Yaakov, so Yaakov says, listen, Kodesh Tishri. Ah, okay, you want to say Shalom Aleichem first? We'll answer you back. Three times. So anyway, Yaakov and Esau got together, they didn't get together, whatever it was. So they say, let's let's divide the months between us, you know. So Yaakov and says, okay, Chodesh Tishri, you know, I can't give you. It's Roshoni, I'm giving some Rostari, you know. I can't give it to you. <laughs> then, Nisan, you know, we got out from Egypt, you know, I can't give that to you, you know. So someone of you has to keep track. So Tishri and Nisan. You know, seven, uh, you know, Martin Teuber on Mount Sinai, you can't have, right. Macheshvin, um, you can't have because the initiation of the first holy temple was in Macheshvin, you know, it's out, it's already Macheshvin. Uh, what comes after that? Uh, okay, listen to this. Kislev is Hanukkah, right? Can't have, you know. Okay, wait, wait, Chatrish, no, no, no. Because Hanukkah begins on the 25th, it wasn't as Hanukkah, you know? We just made it long, you know, wait. So, wait, wait. So, then it's like this. Iyo, also, he, he, he didn't give him Iyo because, uh, because Sfira Soaimah, you know, every day, Mamish, we can't be doing mitzvah, so you can't get him. So, you know what he did? Chodesh Elul, he didn't get because he's blowing the shofar every day, you know, how can Asaph have... Now listen to this, what, what the end was. The end was that, that Asaph took four months. He took Tavis and Schwarz. He took Thomas and Av, you know. Let's first talk about Thomas and Av. Thomas and Av and Mamashi said months. This is the two months he took. So Mamashi destroyed the holy temple, you know, those two months. So, but therefore, after, like Hamisha also by Av in the 50s, it's over, you're already happy. Half of it is already over, so we make a little holiday, you know? <laughs> also, Tavis and, he took Tavis and Schwad, and when half the month is over, on the 15th of Schwad, we are already celebrating, thank God, most of it is over, you know? The only thing is that, uh, according to Chesidus, you know, the biggest test a person has to go through with evil is Tavis and first half of Schwad, and also Tammuz, and the first half of Av. And therefore, see this is the end, therefore the light of Hanukkah burns right into Tavis to give us strength to, to go through 
Tavis and Schwart. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to make it. Strong stuff. So good, Chaydish, good Chaydish. You know, Shavit is a little bit of a good Deutsche. Shavit comes about, you know, the stick, you know, the rod, you know. Gotta be strong. Tokus Hamdinim, you know. I'll tell you something, you know, in Bayan was always in Tokus Hamdinim. Did I tell you? In Rishon, every Torah would begin in Tokus Hamdinim, you know. That's Rabbi Shulhev and Zan of Tokus Hamdinim, you know. He would say, Zan of Tokus Hamdinim was so sweet, you know. Old Bayan Rebbe. So, so Zan of Tokus Hamdinim, you know, sweetening up of the of that which is hard. Okay, good Chaydish, good Chaydish Eden, Chaydish Welt. Chaydish, a good month.